Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of the Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Boss Builders University. Now, if you are a manager and you are looking to build your skills, one of the best places you can go is to Boss Builders University. We've designed our Boss Builder Academy to be the perfect resource for you if you need great just-in-time information to be a better boss. We just have some longer master courses that are available, and everything is designed to help you bring your A-game to this very important role. For more information, come see us at bossbuildersuniversity.com. Well, you know, 2020 is halfway over as of today, and nothing tells me that the second half of the year is going to be any better than the first half. There's a lot of crap going on right now, and as the boss, it's going to be up to you to lead your team through it. If you are not doing well, you're going to really suffer. Our guest today has some strategies to help you with that. Michael Dietrich Chastain is a speaker. He's an executive coach. He is the author of the book, Changes, The Busy Professional's Guide to Reducing Stress, Accomplishing Goals, and Mastering Adaptability. Michael's got a great acronym. It's known as CHANGE. That's why you see it in all caps. That's designed to help you get the A game from yourself that everybody is looking for you to have. Lots of practical strategies here and a great offer at the end, so make sure you listen all the way through. Well, let's quit talking about him. Let's let Michael do the talking. You know what to do. Buckle up. It's time for us to hit the road. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Michael Dietrich Chastain, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We, of course, our audience didn't hear what we just talked about, but it's I've I've met you on the phone one time, and I feel like I've known you for years now, and just a super fun guy to chat with. But the topic we're going to be looking at today is actually a fairly serious one because while we don't like to timestamp our podcast, there is no doubt that life will change um, completely. And when you look at it, it will have gone back to the year 2020. 2020 has been one of those years that is going to go down in history. And right now, our audience, I'm going to jump out here and make a big assumption that they're probably struggling with change. And so I'd like to chat with you about how we handle that. And so you are the author of a book called Changes, Mm -hmm. The Busy Professional Guide to Reducing Stress, Accomplishing Goals, and Mastering Adaptability. That seems like it's a pretty relevant topic. So, Michael... Talk to us about yourself, and then let's talk about these principles that I think are going to be so useful for us today. Sure, happy to, Mac. Yeah, and it, and it is great to connect. I, I agree. I think you know we hit we hit it off fast, and it's always fun to to connect with someone and feel like you've known them for a long time. And so, yeah, it's great to connect again. And you know, in regards to you know my my career and background, I you know I can say that I've always worked in human development and always been fascinated with change and how human beings create it and navigate it, you know, deal with it, deal with uncertainty. And I've looked at human change making through a variety of lenses over the course of my career, everything from consulting work in the corporate world to executive coaching, to training and development, and even as a psychotherapist, which I was a number of years ago, and worked with clients wide ranging from those that, you know, barely have been able to get their human needs met, to those that have dealt with, you know, regular 
kind of things that most of us deal with around transition or loss or birth or death or, you know, anxiety, stress, addictions. And so, you know, I've seen human change exist in so many ways and really believe that there are, there are principles that can be applied to change making, to stress management, to goal accomplishment. And they're, they're really the same principles that apply to all those things. And so I'll, I'll pause there. That gives you a little bit of an introduction and I'm happy to dive into any one of those areas that I just brought up. Yeah. Well, let's go back to where you are getting a lot of these principles from. So have you, do you have a background in counseling or anything like that? It sounds like that's where some of this comes from. Yeah, exactly. So when I was in undergraduate school, I, I was looking for, you know, imagined a trajectory, a career in, in what's called industrial organizational psychology, which I know a lot of your listeners are familiar with. And for those that aren't, it's, it's basically looking at, you know, how to human systems and business function in a healthy way and how, how are they uh, dysfunctional? And so looking at things like, you know, team effectiveness and leadership and conflict and number of other things. And so I, I thought that that's, that's where I would go Mac and, and did all the coursework and, you know, did the internships that set me up, you know, for a, for a path toward that, uh, master's or PhD. And then, out of school, got a consulting job working in a, in the corporate environment and which was really great. Did a lot of leadership coaching and did a lot of account management and some employee employer conflict navigation. And it was, it was a great experience and ultimately, you know, inspired me to take a deeper dive into the hows and whys of what we do. And so I, instead of going into business, uh, back to business school, I went for a master's in counseling and then eventually after after that master's was completed went on to get a license as a therapist and you know and then went into practice as a therapist in the context of mental health for a number of years in all sorts of capacities from private practice to community mental health to working in the prison system and in the hospital systems in the community uh, leading teams of therapists and so so again l- looking at human change in a, in a wide variety of ways and so through that experience, still had an interest in, you know, in business and leadership and in organizational performance. And so made a pivot back uh, to the corporate world and was there for a couple of years, you know, doing, doing a lot of training, doing a lot of account management, a lot of leadership coaching and went off on my own uh, about five years ago, I guess. And now the, the business that we have uh, provides assessment, training, and coaching uh, for leaders and teams that want to create peak performing uh, organizations and cultures. And so that's uh, that's uh, that's the thirty thousand foot view. Well, it sounds like if we got down into the weeds, we'd be here till Christmas time. Right. So, uh, <laughs> right. but no, it gives me it helps me to get a better sense of you when I hear about your background. Yeah. So when you let's go back to when you were as a therapist, mm-hmm. what was the I mean, what kinds of folks came to see you? What brought most people in? I know you can't talk specifically because it's all confidential, but why would a person come to see you? Sure. So, you know, at, at the heart of going to see any helping professional, whether it's, you know, a therapist or a coach or a mentor or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that the question I, you know, I believe we're always asking is how do I create change in my life? And, you know, that change will look differently depending on the individual. Um, and in answer to your question there, because I've spent so many years in the, in that field in so many different contexts, there wasn't really a, a common issue that came in because again, I just had a, a pretty large breadth of experience. And so 
you know, everything from anxiety to stress to, you know, personality disorder to persistent mental health disorder to addictions to family therapy, couples therapy. Um, it was really all across the board. And, uh, so I, you know, that the, I think the advantage that that gave me years later is that, you know, the, the perspective that I have around human change is, uh, relatively unique. I, I don't, I don't know a whole lot of folks that, Hey, you know, have worked in that world and then now apply some of those lessons to how, you know, leaders and teams perform at their highest level. Well, I'm thinking about what life would be like. I've never been a coach or anything like that, but I can only imagine if you spend an entire day sitting down, letting people sort of unload all the stuff on your desk in a one-on-one -on -one session, how did it affect you at the end of the day? Did you open the door and say, man, I had the best day ever? Or did you feel like everything that those people unloaded, was that on your shoulders? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question, Mac. You know, I think, I think that the answer to that question is really dependent upon the kind of education that any respective coach or therapist or helping professional gets. And, you know, and I feel very fortunate that the, the graduate school that I attended prior to getting licensed as a therapist, which the, you know, the, the school and the licensure process are, it's almost like two two programs. Um, but the, the school that I went to was there, they had a very strong emphasis in, you know, self-care and boundary management and, you know, understanding, you know, what's ours to take on to your point and what isn't. And so, you know, I felt pretty prepared to differentiate between what, what is someone's pain or trauma or angst versus what is my own. And so, while there were absolutely situations that were really awful and, and, you know, horrific at times that would definitely, of course, you know, have me, have me thinking and pondering and, 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 you know, maybe, um, Im impacted me. Right. Um, at the same time, I, for the most part felt and still do, if you'll, you know, cause I do a lot of executive coaching now feel very equipped in, in separating, you know, what is mine and, and what is someone else's. Uh, that to me would be really challenging. And so I guess did that, you made the jump from seeing people one-on-one -on -one, then back to corporate. Was there a, an event that kind of pushed you that way? It sounds like you're on a journey of constantly learning. Was this one step or how did that work? Because that's a big difference. It is. And, you know, I'm really thankful. I had a great, well, a couple, couple things. There was definitely, there was definitely an event that kind of inspired the, the move and it was, it was basically a combination between, you know, knowing that I wanted to make a career change, but uncertain as to what that would look like, you know, because I was in that mental health world for a long time and, and knew I had this interest in teams and systems and, and organizations. So I was trying to figure out how I might make that pivot and was uncertain. And during that time of uncertainty, went through a really difficult breakup with a woman that, um, was really, you know, it was really challenging. And so that's, that sent me on a move to another, another part of the country. And I, long story short, ended up landing a, a really great job as in, in, in the context of the employee assistance program world, which for, for folks that don't know the EAP world is a, is a benefit that a lot of organizations have, that you can utilize for, you know, mental health services or, you know, some mild coaching services, access to insurance information. It's kind of like this, this stand, sometimes standalone benefit. And sometimes it's incorporated into your insurance package, depending on your, on your company. And so anyway, Mac, I, I was a, 
I was um, kind of a, I had many hats when I was mm-hmm. working for that company. You know, one hat, I would provide distance counseling. And then the other hat, I would provide coaching and training services for a lot of our key clients. And clients at that point meant large organizations. And so it was that it was a really great bridge that helped me kind of work my way back into, you know, a corporate environment and, and give me some experiences that were absolutely influential around uh, then starting my own business. When you're working now, because you did mention you're doing executive coaching now, is there a difference between what you would do as a therapist and what you would do as an executive coach? Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a, that's such a great, that's such a great question. Actually, it's funny. I, I've gotten that question, Max, so many times over the course of, you know, the last decade or so that that's, that's actually part two in the book that I wrote answers that question, you know, around, around what is this difference? How do you navigate the differences? How do I decide, you know, if I need a coach or if I need a therapist? Um, and I, and I would say that the shortest answer to that in my experience and opinion is that coaching is about optimizing a skill or a characteristic or um, a goal. And therapy is often about resolving or working through a pain. And so you could say that, you know, coaching is, is more kind of forward facing and growth oriented and that therapy stereotypically is, is more about, um, you know, working through some, some kind of emotional or psychological pain. Now there's, those are stereotypes, but that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, 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 the main difference I would say. Well, I think that makes it really clear to me because I'm, I was just curious about that. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you ever find yourself saying, okay, I need to, I mean, do you, would you refer, if you were doing executive coaching, would you refer a therapy problem to someone else? Or would you say here, hold on one sec, let me put a therapy hat on. Let's, let's continue it here. Yeah. How would good, you do that? Good question. I would, I would refer and I have referred. I made the decision a number of years ago to, to take the therapy hat off. And so I no longer practice as a therapist. I actually still hold a license in the state of North Carolina, but, um, but I, yeah, I stopped practicing and, and it was for that reason, Mac, just to make it, make it both very clear for me and for the clients that I serve that, you know, what we're doing is, you know, about, you know, performance in the business and it's about leadership skills and it's about, you know, team effectiveness. And while there are, there are components that are similar to therapy, you know, there's, there's looking at mental patterns and there's looking at, you know, some emotional resilience and there's looking at how to navigate, you know, stress and anger and, and communication. Like those are relevant to both areas. Um, but when it gets into the, the trauma and the deep pain and, you know, anything related to addictions or, you know, any, anything on that more kind of severe end of the spectrum, then yes, I would, I would refer out. Okay, good. Well, you know, I'm looking at your book. You were kind enough to send me some things here. First thing I notice about this book is I almost need to put sunglasses on to look at the cover and this is a (laughs) bright yellow, but I noticed that changes is all in caps. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, there is. The um, it, you know, and when I was writing the book a number of years ago, or beginning to write it, I, it came from this question. I, I was actually, I was in a, I was in a really um, scary accident, which you know, oftentimes, you know, big situations in our life can can result in deep thinking. And so, after that accident, I, I really started to reflect about, you know, what are the what are the commonalities that have existed, and all you know, I've worked with thousands of clients over the years, and what are these what are these common principles or characteristics regardless of what the change is? Like I was, like I was saying earlier. And so, you know, I, I, 
I named kind of a few of them and started a spreadsheet. And if you can picture a spreadsheet Mac with, you know, a handful of words on the top and then synonyms in each column. Mm-hmm. And this spreadsheet probably had, you know, I don't know, a couple hundred words on it or, or maybe a hundred words. And, you know, after I had these, these seven dimensions and or principles in place, I thought, well, what if there's an acronym for these seven principles or influencers? And so that's how changes came about is that, you know, funny enough, the, there, that just happened and happened to work out that way, that there was a, a really easy to remember uh, acronym for these, these influential principles. And so that's how it came about. Well, in keeping with those influential principles now, and in thinking about who's listening to our show today, which we talked about earlier, it is really, I think, people who are faced right now with lots of stress, with in some ways their goals being completely blown up this year, as were many of mine. And then, of course, having to adapt, which is you know, just happens to be the subtitle of this book, isn't it? <laughs> That's Reducing right. stress, accomplishing goals, and mastering a- adaptability. Could you take us through these seven different strategies and kind of think about what our audience is wrestling with today? Because for many of them, they have to not only sort of wrap themselves around the fact that life for them has changed radically, but now they're expected to be leaders. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have your own stuff together before trying to help somebody else. It's like we say on HR Oxygen, you know, you have to adjust your own mask before assisting others. So could you take us through the seven, Michael, and kind of talk through those and maybe give us some things that we can hold on to to help us in this really challenging time? I'm happy to. I'm happy to. I, you know, I, I heard another uh, really good phrase just recently, Mac, that's connected to the, you know, the ox, the famous put your oxygen mask on first. And it was that all business problems are personal problems in disguise. And I, <laughs> I thought, I thought that's so great. And I think, I think it really applies to really any, you know, whether you're a, you know, fortune 500 company and you're in an HR or leadership position and you're trying to figure out all the complexities of that, or you're, you know, a solopreneur and, and trying to, you know, get your business going. I, I really, I believe that to be true that oftentimes our challenges in business are related to our, our challenges in, in life. And so, um, so, so that's, that's probably a good segue into these, into these principles. So yeah, so I'll, I'll go through them real quick and yeah, that'd be great. To, yeah. Happy to handle any follow-up questions. So the first one uh, is cognition and cognition is all about how we frame, uh, our thinking. And so is our thinking more, um, opportunity, opportunity focused? Is it more possibility focused or is it, you know, more problem oriented or, uh, challenge oriented or you know, complaint oriented. And so, you know, there's a lot of research to support, to, to support all these principles, but to, in the cognition context, to support the idea that the more we focus on, you know, possibility and opportunity and, you know, learning mode versus deficit mode there, there, it just leads to better outcomes. And so, so that's the opportunity with cognition. Well, let's, let me, let me stop you there. So let's, so one of the things we've kind of focused on this past six months as we have interviewed people is, and I kind of ask them a final question. I won't ask you this question because I think it's more important to ask you this one, but so for the class of 2020, both high school and college Mm. who did not get their prom, who did not get their walk through graduation, who may well still have gotten a graduation gift, hopefully, but really their, their entire and I keep thinking about people who were baseball players in high school, like no senior season. I mean, how would that suck? 
Yeah, totally. So, so using the principle of cognition, I mean, what are my options? I've just been basically had the rug pulled underneath me. My senior year was a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. How could I reframe that into something that's useful? Yeah, it's such a it's such a great question, Mac. You know, and I don't, I certainly don't claim to, you know, dis discount any of these things that are so awful and totally out of our control, you know, and and you bring up a great point, you know, these kids that are going through college and high school and are missing out on these, these opportunities and experiences that they can't ever really get back, you know, and and that's, uh, you know, my, my heart goes out to them. And so that's, you know, and, and, and that's the case for all of us in various parts of our, you know, our life, right. There are things that are out of our control that are going to be painful, Right. And so the opportunity in, in my experience is that, and this is actually, this is the first chapter of the book, it's called the victim or the master. And so the opportunity in any situation is, is to, is to really make, have that, that choice. Right. And, th- and this, what I'm saying is not new. This goes back to a lot of research um, from, from, you know, more, more recently, as in 50, 60 years ago, Viktor Frankl, who uh, is the person that developed a process called logotherapy, which essentially, essentially is the idea that we get to assign meaning to any event that happens uh, in our life. And that, 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 is, that is our, uh, our gift and that no one can take that away from us, right? And yeah. so, but, but also there's, you know, this, this idea of meaning assignment is congruent to many ancient philosophers as well. And so this idea versus victimization versus mastery is not a new one. Um, and it's, it's also not new because, you know, I think it's, it's extremely relevant and extremely helpful. And so the opportunity is to consider, um, what, how, how might I take a mastery role over something that's out of my control? Meaning that, well, well, we can't take away the pain. Is there, is there a lesson here that I might take away? Is there something that this, this thing that's been taken from me, is it, is it allowing for something different to emerge? Right. And, and so I think looking, looking for that way to master the situation instead of be victim to it, um, is the opportunity. And, and, you know, the next question might be, how do you do that? Um, one, one recommendation I, I often give, and I've done this myself as well, is track the language that we use around situations that are out of our control. Meaning that, you know, you might have some daily reflection time and journal journalizing, how am I describing what's, what has happened? And am I describing in such a way that is, you know, awfulizing it or is making it, making it the master of me, or am I describing it in such a way that says, you know, this is a, this is a horrible experience and here's what I'm learning. Here's what I'm going to do with it. And here's how I'm going to master it. Right. And so, so being really, really cognizant of the language that we use, that will set cognitive patterns for us in one way or the other, either, either for our benefit or, or for our detriment. So it would be wise for someone to not look at what I've lost, but what I've gained from the experience of not having these things. Is that kind of close to it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think there's, you know, there's room for both too. I mean, I, I certainly believe that, you know, not, not to, not to discount the loss. I mean, pre, you know, pro- processing it and acknowledging the, and acknowledging the pain, it's not to avoid the pain, but it's also to not, to not give the pain so much energy that it puts us in a, in a place of stuckness or in a place of, um, 
you know, that, 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 that doesn't allow for, for choice. When we give too much energy towards something, um, that, that we see as, you know, pulling the, the strings and it, it, it really takes away our creativity, our innovation, our ability to, to problem solve, you know, et cetera. So is cognition then, I mean, is it just by chance that it showed up first in changes or are these done like an order, like you have mm. to have this one done? Yeah, great question. Yeah. So they are not in a chronological order. They are, um, yeah. So you could, you could say, and this is a question I get often, you could say that for any one of us in any given time of life, maybe one or two of our, those, those principles needs our attention most. And, and I've found that I found that to be true. And, and, and again, based on, based on time and, and what the situation is. So, so for instance, Mac, it might be that right now I really need to focus in around my cognition, um, because I'm realizing I'm in this mode of victim, or it might be that, you know, six months from now, oh, you know what, I've got that kind of handled. I might need to move on to environment, which is another principle and really evaluate the, you know, who who I'm spending my time with, where I'm spending my time, what I'm spending my time doing, that that kind of thing. Okay. Well, let's move on to the H. So that must stand for hell yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, it's going to stand for that now. <laughs> okay. Right. Hey, you got to ask permission if you want to use that. Okay. One. All right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the H stands for heart and that's all about our emotional self. And so, you know, what, what I've seen is that when we embrace the kind of emotional, uh, components of our lived experience and not avoid them. And this could be both the goods and the bads that it allows for, um, again, more creativity, better problem solving, uh, more accomplishment. And, and of course, you know, reduced, reduced stress and improved adaptability as well. Okay. All right. Now, how about the A? A is action and it's all about habits and routines and, you know, not, not surprisingly that includes, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, habits and um yeah ba basically what is it what is it that we're doing and so and i'm sure you know everyone would agree that we can we can have a lot of great ideas right which would be cognition but we might not put them into uh in, an operationalized plan which would be action um or or alternatively you might have a great plan and you might be doing doing a lot but maybe your, you know, your emotional self is, is kind of a, is kind of a mess. And so it might be that the, the action, uh, is, is again, taken care of and, and optimized, but it's really not the one that needs our attention most. Well, when you talk about habits and routines, then what are some of the ones that you do, if you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah, sure. Sure. So, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of, uh, self-care and, and downtime empty, you know, empty space. There's a, a creative time. There's a lot of words you could use for this. And so, um, you know, self, self-care routine includes, you know, exercise It includes, um, you know, having, having creative time that, in, that could include reflection. It could include, you know, walking, it could include meditation. Um, so though, you know, those are a handful of habits. I think, uh, you know, the ha habits around habits around, uh, like amount of time that we're spending online, amount of time that we're, that we're sleeping. And this kind of goes into some of the other, uh, principles, but, um, but yeah, th those would be a handful. And, you know, again, these, these probably aren't surprising to people. No, well, at least you're making set aside time for these kinds of things. And it, do these take a priority for you, Michael, or do you to kind of do them whenever they fit in. No, no, they ab absolutely take priority. And then, and you know that, and that's what I would say would be a, an, an under, 
underlying key to really good action is is to have you know to have a very a very clear plan for how you're organizing your time and how you're structuring your days. Okay. Well, for many of us, we have more time because many of us aren't commuting. But I think the commuting time could have been a really good time for some of these habits too, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think about I used to. Um, I know I'm not alone in this. I used to do, I used to have an hour one way. So a drive, so two hours a day commute. And, um, I learned so much via books or podcasts or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And I know, I know that that's a common, a common uh, routine for folks. And so, yeah, there is, there's so much information to consume out there and so much opportunity for learning. Well, we have definitely seen our downloads dropping this past few months and I think a lot of it is we don't have a captive audience anymore. You know, yeah. there, was a, there was a benefit to traffic, wasn't there? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. You know, and I think, I think that's a real opportunity that a lot of us have right now. I was just talking to somebody about this recently that in, you know, in times of, of chaos, which you could say we're kind of in right now, one way to respond to that is to implement more structure. And so, you know, for those that have done that, it's been really interesting to see the the benefits that that people get from, you know, really implementing a lot of clear structures, you know, in in this time of kind of chaos and and uncertainty that we're in. Well, I think it really goes back to the principle of action. That's right. I was on the crazy train like everybody else with the constant travel. And so now, I mean, I wake up in the morning pretty much the same time I sleep in my own bed every night. And in the morning, rather than get to the airport early, I'm doing exercise, which is a nice change of pace. So, mm-hmm. but I think it's taken ownership of the time because it does go like we talked about earlier. I can't believe it's been a while since we had our first talk and here we are doing the show. So yeah, time does, time does pass. And uh, I love the, the idea of action with the habits and routines. So mm-hmm. Talk to us about N. So what does N stand for? Yeah, N is N is nourishment. And, you know, again, not surprisingly, there is countless amounts of research to back up our, you know, how our physical experience impacts everything from our, you know, stress to our ability to create change, to our ability to navigate, you know, difficult situations. And so nourishment is all about how much I'm moving, you know, my, my, my sleep hygiene, uh, my nutrition. And so all aspects of the lived experience, a uh, physical experience that is. And again, if it's, if it's getting enough attention or it isn't. And so, um, yeah, so the opportunity that, you know, many of us are aware of, uh, you know, make sure your sleep hygiene is right. Make sure your nutrition is on point, making sure you're getting a lot of really great movement. And so that's what nourishment's all about. Okay. And how about G? Uh, G is about courage. And so G stands for guts, which, oh you know, the courage, the courage to act. And so, you know, not, I'm, I'm sure that you'd agree, Mac, there are times in our life when we have all the good intentions and we might even have the awareness around what we need to do, uh, to make, you know, to, to whatever it is, but, you know, make, make more money or have a better relationship or get, you know, more fit or whatever it is. And, and, and we have the information, we don't have the courage to act. And so guts is all about developing, uh, that muscle of courage. Okay. And how about the E? Um, I, I, I spoke to this a little briefly earlier It's environment, which is, uh, the people, places, and things we surround ourselves with. So, you know, the, the old quote, you're the five, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I think it's great. And I also believe that that is not inclusive enough, meaning that we are the average of 
you know, all aspects of our environment, where we spend our time online, the communities that we live in, the, you know, the, the friendships that we have, of course, the business environments that we're in, you know, we're the average of all of these things. And so um, environment is in the opportunity to recognize is or are the environments that I'm in, um, are they leveraging me to excel toward what I want or are they holding me in a place of stagnancy or maybe even, um, you know, bringing me away from the goals that I have? Mm-hmm. And then there's the last letter, which is S. Yeah. Uh, lastly is spirit, which is our belief systems. And so belief systems could mean, you know, the, the large ones around, you know, where, where did we come from? Where are we going when we die? These big belief systems that we have um, to the belief systems at an individual basis, which are, you know, what am I capable of doing in this life? You know, how much, how much money can I, can I, do I deserve to make or could I make? How much love do I deserve? You know, where, what's, what's possible to, to experience. And so these are all, these are all belief systems and, you know, what I've seen is that those that challenge the beliefs that aren't serving them uh, really, really excel. And, and, it, and I think for all of us, there's always an opportunity to, to consider, you know, is this current belief system that I'm having uh, helping me toward what I want or is it keeping me stuck? Where do we come up with our belief system? I mean, I know some mm. of us were probably brought up in Sunday school or whatever, sure, but sure. Is, is that where it comes from or is it something that we just develop over time? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, it, that's a classic question of, you know, nature versus nurture. Do we, do we come, come into this life as, uh, you know, shaped by our environments or is there something uh, innate within us that, uh, you know, is, is more, um, is, is less influenced by the environment and we just, we are the way we are. And, and my, my, my opinion is that it's, it's a little bit of both. And so certainly beliefs, religious and spiritual belief systems are heavily influenced by our, you know, our upbringing and our childhood and the experience that we have, like you said, you know, going to Sunday school, um, and our belief systems, individual belief systems about what is possible in our lived experience. And are there, are there, um, ceilings that we've set for ourselves based on our based on our belief systems and there you know there's also evidence to show that those also come from our you know again our, our our experiences both as children as well as into adulthood and you know belief systems are either uh pushed against or perpetuated based on you know the choices that we make the people places and things we surround ourselves with and our willingness and ability to challenge them. And so, you know, you can, you can see kind of how these seven principles uh, kind of connect and intersect with each other because they, they absolutely have influence on one another. You know, the way I'm looking at this, because I've been writing them down as you've been talking us through it. So going from top to bottom, I have changes, the big letters. Mm-hmm. And I'm visualizing a little on-off switch next to each one. Oh, nice. So I'm thinking if, Let's just say you had a really shitty childhood okay. and like the whole, your whole upbringing up to the age of 18 was terrible. And then to top it all off, COVID hits, no graduation, no senior prom. I mean, is it possible a person could enter adult life with all of those switches in the off position? Mm, gosh. Well, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll say this, Mac. I, I've been consistently surprised over the course of my career, again, working with so many people and groups and, um, you know, of various types, uh, 
I've been so consistently surprised at the level of resilience that exists in the human condition. And so I, I would answer that question that, well, there might be, you know, all, all the switches off or all, you know, all arrows point to, there's no way this, this person is going to have a chance. You know, even in those situations, I I've really, I've seen, I've seen people come back from those things. I've seen people make, you know, really, really exponential changes in their life. And so, so, I mean, that, that's, that's my belief that even, even when the cards are stacked so much against us, that there is still opportunity for growth and development and change. Um, and, and I would say that it, it often will require, um, you know, look, looking at these, at these various principles, right? So if I, for, so if I am someone that, um, you know, has all these, these chips stacked against me, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's the opportunity to find some, you know, some kind of, some kind of mentor, some kind of support. And, um, I, you know, I, I think that that, that is, that is often the case for, 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 for all of us that support, uh, is, is a necessary step. So, well, I'm just wondering, cause I'm sure there's people today after listening to that thinking, you know, all of these are in a bad place and it, you know, it doesn't help that we're constantly fed a diet of bad news, no matter where you turn, but mm. It seems to me that there's hope here, and that's what excites me the most is that we can. I mean, I, the way I look at it, you know, we've probably both been to conferences, and I've never been the keynote. I've always been very envious. Mm. But then I look at who the keynotes are, somebody who was trekking through Alaska all summer long with just the clothes on their back or someone who, you know, had horrifying burns in the war. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all tragedies, and what they've done is they've figured out how to get through it and then come up with life lessons. And so if you're listening to this and you say, boy, all the switches are off. I mean, that's kind of like a pretty good setup for, uh, you know, your greatest hits are ahead of you now. It's yeah. a good way to look at it. I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And, and to your point, there are so many great examples of, of folks that have done that, right? Have, have, have seen adversity or tragedy and been able to come back from it. You know, and I, would, I would also say there there is an opportunity that that is, you know, relatively simple and takes a lot of, takes a lot of practice, but, but it's not complicated. And it's the opportunity to consider the nature of the questions that we ask, meaning, meaning that, you know, around all these principles, there's an opportunity to be asking either, you know, what's wrong or what's possible. And so I, I think that is a low hanging fruit to lean into what is it that I truly want? What is it that's, that might be possible and really, you know, envisioning big and, and brainstorming around, you know, being creative and possibility oriented and imaginative. And, and I think that that, that little pivot of changing the nature of our questions can yield some good results. So that might be the first switch that you want to flip on is. Yeah. What's wrong versus what's possible. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, you mentioned something about having our cards out. So I'm actually looking at this pack of round cards here. Oh, yeah. We've got this rubber band. It's kind of like the ones that those mob guys wrap the big wad of cash in. You get it from the grocery <laughs> your I think your cabbage is tied up by it. That's right. But, but it's a round deck of cards here. And the first one says cognition, heart, action, which it sounds like that's the changes now. So tell us what these cards do. How would these help us in our journey here? Michael? Sure. Yeah. So these, these cards, they're a, they're a question deck. And so for folks that are listening, you know, you probably have 
for many folks probably have familiarity with these. And so a question deck is essentially a, a, a card deck of questions. And we've used these in the context of corporate events, in the context of executive meetings. Um, we've given them as a tool for, you know, leaders that want to have one-on-one conversations with those that those that they're leading. Um, use it in, in communities and masterminds, both virtual and, and in live situations. Um, and even in the context of big conferences where, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people in a room and got multiple decks and you can do group activities. And essentially, Mac, they're, the questions follow the seven principles. And so you've got the seven, the seven kind of uh, you know, headlines, and then underneath each of them, there are seven questions. So there's 49 questions total. And the idea is to both ask ourselves and each other better, more uh, life-producing questions around each of these seven principles so that we ensure, uh, again, our, our creativity and optimization of, of each of the seven. And so... So yeah, that's the that's the background of the deck, and and uh, yeah, I've seen it to be really helpful and and useful in a number of contexts. Excellent. Well, Michael, you gave us a lot of good things to think about today. And if you are listening to this show today, and you you think, well, this is the kind of guy I need to connect with to help me get my stuff and going in the right direction, Michael. How do people reach out to you? Are you actually working now uh, virtually, or are you having to kind of sit on the sidelines waiting for everybody to fly again? Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're doing a ton of work. Um, oh, good. Okay. Yeah, the work that we're doing is you know th- kind of threefold. I would say you know certainly doing a lot of individual leadership coaching and team executive coaching, and all that is done virtually. And then uh, doing you know a lot of organizational consulting work still, and that could look like running an event, a virtual event for an organization um, around connecting them to their employees, making strategic decisions. Uh, could mean around running a, a strategic planning event for a core group within within an organization, and then in addition to that, running you know running events, uh, virtual events for uh, communities. And so, so that's yeah, all the work is virtual, not getting on a plane any anytime real soon. Um, but yeah, if if folks want to learn more, I'm I'm actually happy to give a gift to your listeners, Mac. If, does that sound good? Absolutely, yes, please. All right. Uh, so the gift that I'd like to give is actually a, it's a virtual version of the card deck that we just discussed. So the card deck that Mac and I were just talking about is a, is an actual physical deck. But when COVID hit, my, my team and I decided to, you know, ask this question, well, how can we provide more value for free for folks? Right. And so we released a virtual version of this, of this card deck, which again, teams, leaders, organizations are using, uh, quite a bit and we're getting great feedback about it. And so I'm going to give you the website and it will have a video that instructs you on an activity to use the cards. And on the bottom, there's additional information. If you want to connect, uh, please reach out. We're happy to answer any questions. And so the website is virtualchanges.com and there's no opt-in required. There's no, no email capture. It's just, it'll take you right to the deck. And again, it'll give you an intro video and it's, it's pretty much a a plug and play resource. And so virtualchanges.com. And, uh, if people have questions, just go to the bottom and you can find our contact info. Great. And so if we wanted just to connect directly to see about having you work with us virtually, is there a corporate site we can reach you at too? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, organization that we have is ARC Integrated, A-R-C Integrated.com. And yeah, all of the information about coaching and training and all, all of the, the good work that we do is uh, on that site. Okay. And then where can we get a copy of Changes? 
Ah, yeah, sure. So you can get a copy of the book any anywhere where where you like to buy books, Amazon or Barnes and Noble, uh, Target, Walmart, wherever you like. Um, if you'd like a free audio book, which you were for giving away as a download as well, uh, you can go to thechangesbook.com and you can opt in for you know a bunch of free goodies, including an audio version of the book, as well as a, uh, a workbook around the seven principles that we discussed today. Um, you, you'll actually also with that opt in, you'll get a, uh, a, like a bullet bulleted list of ways to use the card deck in the context of, you know, organizational and team performance. And so, yeah, whole, whole bunch of free goodies, thechangesbook.com. Awesome. Well, Michael, I really appreciate you taking time to chat with us today and thank you so much for sending the uh, book and the cards ahead of time so I could look through them. I've really enjoyed having you on the show and I've learned a bunch as well, which guess when it all comes down to it, that's most important that I got something out of it, right? <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mac. It's great to connect with you. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. Mm-hmm.